in the last of a series that we've been on relationship essentials, and you have uh, notes to follow along there in the seat as well as online. Um, there's a place for you to follow along as well. We found that relationships are essential to spiritual and emotional health and maturity. There's a lot of things that, that are important. Uh, there are a lot of things that we think are important that aren't really that important. And then there's a lot of things that we think are important but aren't essential. There's really just few things that are essential. Essential is something that you cannot do without. And the thing that I want us to, and I've been saying it every week because it is so important that we understand that relationships are essential. God created us as relational beings and for us to grow and become healthy and mature followers of Christ it's essential that we have relationships and that there's three essential relationships that we that we must have on this on this journey essential relationship number 1 of course is our relationship with God and then our relationship with other Christ followers and then our relationship with potential Christ followers. And we've been talking a lot about that over the last few weeks. One thing that we saw in that first week was that Jesus modeled two essential ingredients for healthy relationships. John 1.14 says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. And you need it's essential that you have both of those if your relationship is going to be your relationships are going to be healthy. You need to have grace and truth. Truth without grace is mean. <laughs> and grace without truth is meaningless. So we need both of those if we're going to have healthy, maturing relationships. And then we found that the essential motivation behind spiritually maturing and healthy relationships is love. A lot of people get confused about what love means. Go back and listen to week two and it'll be, it may be helpful to you. And I encourage you to go back and, and listen to all three of the weeks. Last week we talked about one of the most important disciplines in spiritually healthy and maturing relationships is listening. Listening, not just hearing, because you can hear and not listen. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> All the wives said, yes, amen. Know it to be true. We're going to finish out this series on relationships, relationship essentials. Better be careful whenever you say that. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> one of the most powerful enemies against healthy and mature relationships is selfishness or self-centeredness. And let me just go ahead and say that this is not going to be one of those 
most feel-good type messages, but it is a very important, it's a very important message, and it'll hurt a little, but it's going to hurt so good. It's one of those feelings that you have, you know, it hurts whenever you're working out, the once or twice that I have, uh, but after you're done, it feels like, man, I did something. Um, so turn to the person next to you as, we, as you turn to James chapter 3 and say, I need this. And then turn to the someone close to you and say, you need this. <laughs> and then we all say to ourselves, I can take it. I can take it. And it's going to be, it's going to be helpful. James chapter 3 verse 13 says this, if you, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with, with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. Verse 15, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Told you it's going to hurt so good. Verse 16, for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there are unhealthy relationships. There you will find disorder. And evil of every kind. Then he goes on to say in James chapter 4. First verse. What is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have. So you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have. But you can't get it. So you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you don't want because you don't ask God for it. Verse 3, and even when you do ask God for it, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. So God, as we open up your word, I pray that you would open up our hearts, O oh God, to receive your word. And help us to be the best us we can be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Here's the problem. The problem is that all of us are, jealous, are selfish. Isn't that true? Our natural tendencies are to be selfish. You don't have to learn how to be selfish. It comes naturally. If you have kids, you know that you didn't have to teach them to be selfish. You have to teach them to recognize when they're being selfish and to start to share. And if you don't think you're selfish, ask somebody close to you that knows you. If you're married, ask your spouse. She'll tell you or he'll tell you. And the best honest answer 
The best honest answer that any of us can get if we ask that question truthfully is, I notice that you're working on it real hard. Because our tendencies naturally is to be, are to be selfish and self-centered. It's the reason that healthy relationships are so difficult. Relationships usually don't last with people who are not intentionally and willingly working on not being selfish. Because selfishness is brutally destructive to healthy relationships. Oh me, oh my, it's going to hurt so good. And the scary part is that it can quickly sneak back and undetected and take over if we're not constantly and consciously looking for it and working on it. Isn't that true? Man, I'm going to tell you. I can, I can think I'm doing good, and then all of a sudden... It'll just come in, sneak in. If I'm not looking for it, take over. I mean, I will come in the house, and I'll grab the remote, sit, put my, put my computer bag down, come in, grab the remote, start flipping channels. And all of a sudden, after a few minutes, I feel Mickey just staring at me. And I'll say, what? She said, I was in the middle of watching something. Because our tendency is, if we're not intentional and not intentionally conscious about our own selfishness, then it will come in and take over. And that, I ain't letting you get all up into my business about the other boys I'm selfish. I'll confess that one. If I'm not careful, selfishness will slip in and take over to where I don't even notice the stare. And if I don't deal with it, I begin to not care about the stare. Because selfishness will take over your relationships, and will end up destroying because selfishness is a dangerous and powerful enemy of healthy, mature, growing relationships. Amen? All right, just to make sure you're still there. Don't leave me up here by myself acting like I'm the only one. Our culture pushes hard to promote and strengthen our selfishness, though. I mean, we take selfies on our iPhone, our iPads. I mean, everything. Our culture says that our happiness is what is most important. It says you need to do whatever, whatever makes you happy. Our preachers say that God wants you to be happy. And let me be very, very clear. God does want you to be happy. 
But let me also say that if what makes you happy is not holy, God cares more about your holiness than he does about your happiness. I'm glad I got one or two amens on that because I was just going to back up. But I was going to come back and repeat it again if I didn't get one. Another problem is that it's hard to recognize selfishness in ourselves. It's easy to recognize it in other people, but it's very difficult to recognize it in ourselves, isn't it? You know why? Because you're selfish. Here's a couple of ways that, that we can that, that will help us recognize it in ourselves. When we claim our rights but reject our responsibilities, we're selfish. Whenever we claim our rights but we reject our responsibilities, we're selfish. If you consistently expect and demand apologies, but you rarely apologize. <laughs> You're selfish. Or if you quickly apologize but rarely take action to change. You're selfish. And how do I know this? Because I'm selfish. And I have to consciously, every one of us have to intentionally and consciously be looking for that demonic is what James said, thing that rises up in us, that destroys relationships. Let me give you another practical tip. Get ready. Hold on. If you ever hear yourself say, I know what the Bible says, but, no, that's a big but. <laughs> and whatever you're about to say next is probably selfish and is going to diminish, listen, it's going to diminish your relationship with God, which is your most important essential relationship. Because whenever that one is affected, it's going to affect all your other relationships. Because He is the one just what we just sang a few minutes ago. He's the one that, that helps us see the selfishness in us. He's the one that gives us the power to not only see it, but have a desire to deal with it. And he is the one that gives us the ability to deal with it. All right. So another thing that we need to know and the thing we see in, in, in this passage in James is that there really, there's really two sides to selfishness. James said there's one side of selfish ambition. In other words, I'm constantly focused on what I do have or what I want to get that others don't have. And then you have the other side of jealousy of I'm constantly focused on what I do not have that others do have. Isn't that true? There's two sides of it. It's like a coin. One side heads, one side tails. 
One side of selfishness can be unhealthy self-promotion, and the other, other side can be unhealthy self-pity. Both of those are selfish. One side can be arrogance, and the other side, apathy. One side can be pride, and the other side, passivity. I could go on and on and on. One side of selfishness shows up by working too much that you neglect your family because of what you want to get. And the other side of selfishness shows up by neglecting taking care of your family because you're too lazy to go to work. I'll stop right there. Isn't that, I mean, I keep asking y'all, isn't that true? Because I need feedback. Help me. Help me, Lord. And y'all help me help the Lord. Help the Lord help me. <laughs> I want to close out with just, and Seth, y'all can come on back if you'd like, with a couple of remedies. Surefire cures to help us with our selfishness. Two sure remedies for selfishness is surrender to God and serving others. Surrender to God and serving others. Philippians is one of my favorite books in the Bible. I absolutely love Philippians. I constantly go back to it. There's a, there's a powerful chapter in it, in chapter 2, that, that talks about this. Starting in verse 3, it says this, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look only out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude if, if you're wondering. <laughs> have the same attitude as Christ. And he gets very specific here. And just in case you wonder what that, what that attitude is. Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something that he had to just cling on to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He gave up his rights. And he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And that was bad enough. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. He surrendered to God. And he died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. And under the earth. 
and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isn't that something? If, if we would do that, the first place is to submit to God, to surrender to Him. A little further on in James, it says, to, if we would submit to God, then we're able to resist the enemy. How many times do we hang on to selfishness and we resist God and submit to the enemy? It's destructive of healthy relationships. But our first, first step, first step in remedying a continual remedy is for us to continually say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender all. Everything that I have, everything that I am. And then I'm going to serve others. And there's, if you think it's just something that happened with Jesus, if you think that it was just this, this thing that happened with Jesus whenever he ascended and he was exalted by God back to the place where he was before he ever came to earth, Look at James 4, 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord. We get the same promise. And the Lord, and He will lift you up in honor. Because whenever we surrender, and we have a heart of serving, even whenever we're in a leadership position, it's not a do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. We're serving people in our leadership. It's servant leadership. Whenever we have the mindset of, Lord, I surrender all to you, all of my talents, all of my problems, all of my giftedness, all of my temptations, I surrender all to you. Lord, I want you to help me to serve others. It's amazing how the Lord lifts you up. And how people don't get ticked off whenever the Lord lifts you up. Because you've served. They can see a heart of servanthood instead of a heart of selfishness. So God, I pray in Jesus' name right now that we would recognize your goodness and your greatness to where we can trust you, Lord. We don't have to, we don't have to be timid about surrendering all to you because you are almighty, first of all. And you are for us and not against us. You want what's best for us so God you can direct and you can you can make things happen and to where our steps are ordered by you and when our steps are ordered by you we're walking in your blessing and in your favor and when in the hope that comes with you the provision that comes with you so God help us to surrender to you and empower us 
and give us a desire and a hunger to serve other people so that you can make our lives what they need to be. You can take away the selfishness to where we make you look big and make you look good instead of always trying to just make ourselves look big and make ourselves look good. Let it be so, God, I pray. We celebrate your goodness and your grace.